0: Your life will be determined by your GPA. But your GPA is not your grade point average. It's something way more fundamental than that. Find out what it is and how it impacts us. Just hang on. We're studying the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest teachings of the greatest teacher who has ever lived. Um, Harvey Cox, who taught the Jesus class at Harvard, talks about the Summer of the Mount being his fifth symphony, Jesus' Mona Lisa, his masterpiece. It also reveals Rabbi Jesus, he says, at his most eloquent and most unnerving. The words are plain enough. But this has not prevented hundreds of contradictory interpreters from tumbling over each other as the centuries have gone by. Thomas Aquinas called it Councils of Perfection, intended for only the few. Emmanuel Kant saw it as the encapsulation of the moral imperative. Ernst Renan, the 19th century biographer of the earthly Jesus, dismissed it as an idyllic fantasy. Leo Tolstoy insisted it was the law of Christ that one ought to follow to the letter. For Mahatma Gandhi, it was the inspiration of his Satya Graha soul force. There will be more interpretations to come. And this brings me to what I want to talk about today, as we're really preparing to dive more deeply into the Sermon on the Mount. And that is the single most helpful uh, guide I have ever come across. And it was from Dallas Willard. He writes about a divine conspiracy to try to understand the nature of Jesus's teaching. And I think if you get clear on this, um, it sounds preposterous, but it's just simply literally true. Statements that have uh, created all kinds of interpretations and been very confusing to people for hundreds of years, are, are actually remarkably clear and incredibly helpful. And here's the distinction uh, when Jesus taught, sometimes he would issue commands that were simply laws to follow. So, love God with all your heart, soul and mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are rules, those are guides to living. Those are things that we always ought to do all the time, with wisdom, not mechanically, not legalistically, but they are uh, issued as commands. There's another kind of statement that Jesus gives, and it's a bit tricky because it will be in the form of a command grammatically. However, it's not an engineering statement. It's not an all-purpose law. It is actually a statement that is designed to puncture general prevailing assumptions about the way things are, how things run in the human system. And these statements do that by creatively giving an illustration of what somebody who is living in the kingdom of heaven, in the care and reign and favor and power of God, might do. Therefore, they will always require judgment and discernment in order to apply them. They can't be legalistically applied. Um, but they are statements designed to puncture our general prevailing assumptions about the way things are and who's got the good life and lead us creatively into life in the kingdom. There's often kind of a playful spirit to them. Now, it's much easier to give examples than it is to give a definition. So let me start with one that you might have heard before. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus Jesus always teaches, teaches to change lives. In other words, Mark of Jesus. This is generally true in the ancient world. In our day, we think of teaching often as just pouring information from the jug into the mug, and as long as you can parrot it back, you get an A. That would have been laughable in the ancient world. Uh, Pierre Hadot talks about how Greek philosophers also aimed at change lives. Jesus does this. So he wants to teach in a way where you will notice. Um, people didn't bring tape recordings uh, when or didn't bring tape recorders when he talked, and they didn't actually get notebooks and take notes. Most people were illiterate and could not do that. A great teacher had to just interrupt people's lives right where they were and teach in such a way that it would be very memorable. And Jesus does this often. He teaches from context. So in Luke 14, Jesus is at a banquet, and he says to himself, "Now, when you give a luncheon or a dinner." Do not invite your friends or brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, uh, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Now here, Jesus very clearly commands you, never have your relatives for dinner. And I always like saying about this particular statement, for some people, it will be your favorite verse in the whole Bible. Some of you are thinking right now, my gosh, I've been obeying Jesus all these years and I didn't even know it. I'm thrilled that he committed that. Is Jesus actually giving here a command to rule a law, never have mom or dad or the kids over? Of course not. The general prevailing assumption, see, is quid pro quo. You do something for people who can pay you back. But in the kingdom, Jesus, says, it is not so. In the kingdom, there is a heavenly Father who cares for you, and that means that just as he generously cares for you, you will be able to generously care for other people, for people who are disadvantaged, for people who will not be able to pay you back. There will be great joy in doing this. Now, do you, does that mean every single meal you ever have, you always have to invite people in all these categories? Of course not. He's not giving an engineering law here. He's illustrating what life in the kingdom looks like to puncture our general prevailing attitudes. So now you might start to ask yourself, what are the general prevailing attitudes that dominate my life and keep me from living in his kingdom? Another example here from uh, Luke 14, and then I'll get to the Sermon on the Mount. And again, this is a uh, general teaching about how it is that Jesus taught so that we can grasp what he's saying more clearly and more joyfully and more creatively. It says in Luke 14, when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat, and you'll be humiliated. You have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place. Go sit in the kitchen. So when the host comes, he will say, friend, Move up to a better place. And then it says in the old King James Version, thou wilt have worship. Now, is Jesus giving an engineering principle how to gain status here? And the correct answer would be, no. He's doing quite the opposite. He's saying the general prevailing assumption is jockey for status. But now in the kingdom, you have all the status that you could ever want. You are a child beloved of God. And therefore, you don't have to uh grasp for you wrestle jockey for status anymore you can freely and generously grant it to other people that's what folks in the kingdom do now it will take discernment judgment so to apply that okay this is jesus's teaching very often most often when he issues statements or give commands he is not giving engineering principles rules that you have to follow throughout life He is illustrating what life looks like in the kingdom of God as a way of gently or not so gently puncturing the general prevailing attitudes that govern fallen human systems. So, for example, now we come to the, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, somebody strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. People get up all twisted knots. Does that mean that you can, it's always wrong if somebody's trying to kill my child, I can't do anything in order to stop them? Uh, Is it some kind of metaphor? Is he speaking in hyperbole? No. What he's doing is saying, we live in a world where the basic rule is, you hurt me, I'll hurt you back. But in the kingdom, because, and and always see Jesus' teaching, his moral teaching depends on the reality and the nature of the kingdom. Sometimes people will talk about Jesus as a great teacher. This is particularly true in Old liberal theologies, but it was quite separate from the fact that Jesus said, actually, now there is such a thing as the kingdom of God, a spiritual reality, an interactive, personally involved heavenly father who wants to be a part of our lives and you can engage with him. You cannot take his moral guidance for teaching if you separate it from his understanding of what's real. And he says, because this God is overseeing justice, then you don't have to automatically try to get even with whoever hurts you. Or Somebody forces you to go with them one mile, go another mile. Now, it doesn't mean that you always have to do that. Somebody forces you to go with them one mile, you get to the end of it. You say, well, I got to go with you too, because Jesus said so. You don't want to too bad. Jesus said, too, we're doing too. No, that's not the idea. The idea is in this world, everybody wants to be the one that's in charge, and you want to be able to get other people to do your will. But in the kingdom now, we have a heavenly Father, and we surrender to him and say, your will be done. And so we're able to serve. And in fact, in the kingdom, serving is actually where greatness lies. Or uh, in our world, Jesus says uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, somebody asks for your shirt. Uh, if somebody asks for your cloak. Give them your shirt as well. Uh, it doesn't mean that you always have to do that. It doesn't mean that you should then avoid people who might ask you to do something. It's just saying you have a heavenly Father who uh, feeds the birds and uh, clothes the lilies of the field, and he will take care of you. So now you're able to be generous with other people. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you've heard that it says you've got to fulfill your oaths. But I say to you, don't swear by anything, by uh, uh, heaven, by earth, by Jerusalem. And people say, well, okay, then I can't ever take an oath. That's not the point of it. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. The general prevailing assumption in our world is uh, I got to get my way. And so I will use words. You got to believe me. I swear, I promise, or or whatever technique that you use. We use words to try to violate other people's kingdoms and force them to pressure them to believe us so we get in our way. In the kingdom, it's not so. Here's how it is. Just yes and no. People in the kingdom do that sometimes. Now You have to apply that with wisdom and discernment and so. Or we get to Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus will say, be careful about, don't do your good deeds in front of other people to be seen by them. So when you pray, pray in secret. When you give, give we'll talk about that more. And people look at that and say, well, but he just said, let your light so shine in chapter 5, so I don't get it. Which is it? Uh, let my light shine or do everything in secret? And he's not giving an engineering command here. What he's saying is, in our world, the general prevailing assumption is, i got to impress you. i got to make you say, wow, in the kingdom it isn't so. And in fact, if you want to be free from approval addiction, then a real good way to do it is sometimes do good things in secret. So today, so today, look for what are the general prevailing assumptions that are governing my life. I was with somebody today, and they needed my time, and they needed my help. And I want to work on growing in that, particularly this year. And I thought, well, no, I got to go. I got to get ready to do this video. This will touch lots of people. So I got to do that for lots of them. The assumption being, you know, uh, human scale is the ultimate issue. But it's not. I hope this will help you today. But the most meaningful part of my day was helping one single person that I felt called to help. What's the general prevailing? Jesus, the greatest teacher of all time, punctures general prevailing assumptions and brings in the good news of the law of inversion that folks that the human system thinks are last are actually now being blessed by God. And the uh, self-destructive, self-centered, self-promotional human ways that we all live actually do not need to prevail anymore. Greatest teacher, make him your teacher. Make it a golden rule day. You've been listening to Become New with John Ortberg, where you can receive 10 minutes of daily teaching about the person you're becoming. If you like what you're hearing, you can head on over to our website, becomenew.com, where John has over 710 minute teachings on the person you're becoming cataloged in 20 different series covering a range of topics you might be interested in. If you'd like to receive the emails that go along with each episode that include extra resources and discussion questions, you can let us know at becomenewcom slash subscribe. Lastly, if you have a prayer request, There's a team of us who meet each weekday to pray for listeners just like yourself. You can send your specific request to us at the number 855-888-0444. I'm glad you're here, and we'll catch you next time.